Hey y'all, this is Ida Craze, and you're listening to the Black Girl Talks Pop Podcast, where I talk about pop culture and the hits and misses in between. So today, I decided to do an audio podcast because I am incredibly unhappy, and I did not want this to be the podcast version of like every time Viola Davis takes off her wig and how to get away with murder. It's every time that happens and she's like taking off her eyelashes, just something about that disturbed my spirit. I think every time Viola Davis took off her wig, an angel lost his wings. That's how I feel. Or like a puppy slipped. Just something bad would happen in the universe. It wasn't right. Shonda was not right for that. I get expressing black woman's vulnerability, but there was just some, it felt a little like black trauma porn to me. It felt a little like we love seeing a dark skinned black woman get beaten down for me, but just didn't sit right. It didn't feel it didn't feel like human. It felt like, yeah, it just felt like it's just a, this, this, um, I think the only way is black trauma porn. It just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel like that was for me to relate to. It felt like for like a white person to be like, oh, she's human too. And that's not, that's not it. That's never it. And that just wasn't it. So I decided to do an audio podcast because I might get emotional. I might get a little angry and I just I'm just not in the space where I can be that way on camera so I want to talk about before I get into it's I mean it's a little bit tied to this movie I want to talk about the movies Merry Little Christmas and Merry Little Christmas Wedding and I just want to talk about a few enemies of enemies of progress that I thought of in connection to this movie and throughout this movie. So Merry Little Christmas Wedding really restored my faith in the series and made me excited about it. And it just really shows what happens when you can listen to black women. And you know who listens to black women? Other black women. That's this whole thing, the way this movie went down, the joy it sent to my spirit, it could have only happened because a black woman, Kelly Rowland, was in charge. It's the way, if you are not a black woman, I don't want to hear your opinion on Merry Little Christmas, Merry Little Christmas. The little should not be in your thoughts. It should not come out of your mouth. You have nothing to say to me because Calendria Rowland really came out for this. She really, you can really tell that there was a lot of thought into this about how she wanted this movie to come about. And just the way it came, to, it, the way it was received to me, it's only because a black woman could do this. So let's talk enemies of progress that directly related to this movie. The enemy of progress I'd like to discuss is misogyny. If you're hearing something at the back, that is a heater boiler situation um when my parents is in the shower right now i'm at my parents house for the holidays so that's what's going on i'm in a different room of the house and there's going to be a bit few changes with audio so i apologize for that in advance so first um direct enemy of progress in this movie are just these channels that do these christmas movies in general that's lifetime hallmark and netflix are the main offenders and what is their charge misogyny my thing with all of these movies is that they hate women why are we attacking women for going after what they want Unless it's a man, unless they're going after a man, unless it's love, there's always someone guilting them. There's always someone undermining them 
why can't women have what they want? Unless it's immoral, unless it's illegal, let women have what they want. In every movie, it starts with Jackie wanting an all-white whatever, an all-white Christmas in her home, an all-white wedding, and her family just can't take it. They just won't let her have what she wants. And she even calls out her sister Kiki in, on this and says, like, hey, just because I want it doesn't mean it's wrong. And I completely agree with Jackie partly. She's an enemy of progress, too, but we'll get to her. I'm talking about all of these channels that just won't let women be great, just won't let these women that have done the education or have the job experience or are just human beings that want things have what they want. There's always this message that what you want isn't as good as what life gives you anyway. And if life gives you lemons, mate lemonade, what if I'm allergic to lemons? What if I just don't like lemons? I can have oranges or I can have apples. I can have literally anything else and it tastes just as good. I can have what I want and it can be good. I should be able to trust my gut and follow it or trust my list that I've had for years or trust my Pinterest board and just have what I want. I think that would be nice. And maybe you think that would be boring or devoid of drama. But for me, I actually think it would be quite entertaining for Jackie to actually just get the all-white whatever. Like when? I actually don't want Jackie and Tyler to have kids. I'll get to that. But whatever Jackie wants to do, whenever all-white theme she wants to foist upon her family next, just let her have it and see what happens. Like, I actually think that would be a nice change of pace, and that would just have its own drama or its own conversation. I don't think it's bad to give women what they want, and especially in this case, I don't like disrespecting a black woman's wishes just for the fun of it. Because honestly, why? What all the littles are doing, why? It's because they don't want it that way. Why can't y'all just accept that Jackie is not like the rest of y'all? Jackie is not living her best down-home life. She wants what she calls a sophisticated style, what she believes is more elegant, what she believes is clean and sleek. I'll get to that. I'll get to that, that she associates with all white. There's a very clear theme happening. Maybe it wasn't intended by the writers, but I'm, but I'm receiving a certain message, and it's looking pretty coded to me. With what Jackie's saying, she's not into the homey, comfortable, full of colors vibe that her family presents, the homemade vibe that her family presents. And she wants something different. And that should just be fine. Because what is it? It's her home. What is it? It's her wedding. And the wedding planner was right that, like, this is what she wants. And, like, we should all be here to do what the bride wants in the second movie. Like, the wedding planner is right. Delivery, delivery questionable. Should he have said it? questionable but he was right and even in the first movie like Jackie's right like this is my home and I'm gonna do what my like do what I want and that's the great lie of adulthood when it comes to families let me know if your parents said when you have your own money you can do what you want I heard that my entire life and then when I had my own money and had my own apartment do you know what my darling mother said to me my house is an extension of their house throw it away Go back home. Go back to where? Your home. Are you kidding me? I did all this work. I graduated. I did all the steps I was told to do. And that, you know, I wanted to do, of course. It's my life, whatever. 
some of y'all don't get it. Maybe you're not first gen or maybe you're not given the same parental pressures. But I did what I needed to do to be able to survive on my own and pick my own place and buy my own place and furnish my own place. And here you are saying that my house is your house. How? Make it make sense to me. And now I'm telling you what I want. Then you're saying, but this is it. But I'm not, you know, respecting tradition. You must be kidding me. So I was very Team Jackie most of the way through. And I just don't like how these networks continue telling women to not listen to themselves, that their opinions are wrong, that their desires are wrong, and that whatever option life throws at them, they should just accept. I think there is room to say, I do not want this, and I do not deserve this, and I am walking away from this. Not every guy in flannel is the one I meant to be with. We broke up for a reason. Why are we getting back together? Not every guy that's single and has a cute kid is meant for me to be with. If I said I didn't want kids, maybe I don't want kids. Like, come on. Come on. Or maybe if I spent all those years being in marketing, maybe I like marketing and that's okay. And I don't want to settle in Christmas town. Like, it's fine. And there is, I'm sure, a woman that's a career woman dying to visit Christmas Town and get that yearly fill of holiday spirit. But it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be me. I can do my own thing. I don't think flannel flannel brings out my eyes. I don't think it ma- I don't think it fits with my body type or it doesn't fit my aesthetic or I just don't want it. So lifetime Hallmark Netflix, I see what y'all are doing and I do not like your messaging. I can have what I want. It sometimes it doesn't have to be a man. It doesn't ever have to be a man. I can pursue the job and not be shamed for it. I can have the nice house and not be called a snob for it. I can want things to be in their place because I am not a goddess of confusion and not be called type A or, you know, have a mental condition like OCD foisted upon me. Like I can... I can just be a person that likes organization and likes order. Like, that can be fine. But we do have to visit the fact that Jackie's desires are unrealistic. Have you met your family? Why are you looking for something that's all white with your accident-prone family? With your family, you want them to come and enjoy it, and you know they won't like it. You've already seen it with your house. Like, they redecorated that. Why did you think it'd be different with your wedding? No, really, why? Your mom especially just likes to be involved to just be involved. Trina will also just follow in that because that's also her vibe. And Kiki has something to prove. So you already knew this was going to happen. So I don't understand why everyone learned from the sec- from the first movie except Jackie. Like that was that was surprising to me. Like that. Like that idea of I'm just going to have this all white thing that I want and not, you know, invite my family to look to look on Zoom or make sure, you know, you guys get there. You guys get here Christmas Eve when everything is set up. So I don't want any problems like that was never that never came to mind. But also, while I want women to have what they want, I think it's free. I think it's like fair game for us to ask, why do you want it? Why do you want all white, Jackie? Why is it about all white that speaks to your soul? Why do you think that it's so clean and so sleek and so elegant? Maybe your family's right. It is really boring and it smells a little bit like anti-blackness to me. 
That's just what it feels like. So the next enemies of progress are the black well, is the anti-blackness of the black excellencies themselves, Jackie and Tyler. I want to start with her black excellence herself, Jackie. I feel like most of Jackie's anti-blackness is directed at her youngest sister, Kiki. Because as we said before, she likes everything elegant, sleek, sophisticated. All those words are applied to her all-white Meanwhile, every time Kiki has made an entrance in each movie, she gets that like McDonald's commercial for blacks music at the background. Like, like this is for black people, right? Like there's this like ratchet theme behind her. She always is wearing something that she never wear throughout the rest of the movie. They're always trying to like hype her up as this ghetto fabulous type of girl. And even if she is there's nothing wrong with that, but they want you to think there's something wrong. The way they, the way Kiki is set up in every movie and introduced in every movie, you're not supposed to take her seriously because of the blackness that she represents. With the loud colors, with the patterns, with the background music, you're supposed to imply, oh, she's, she's just like a frivolous being, like she's just like a silly character. When she actually really makes this movie for me, she made both movies for me, but especially this one, she really comes through. I think they're finally recognizing that Kiki is a fan favorite. I hope she gets the next movie. I'll talk about that more. But right now, I have a gripe with Jackie. So because Kiki stands in her, stands in a black expression that is different from Jackie's, she is not as respectable as Jackie. Jackie dismisses her as ghetto fabulous. But we have to remember a lot of fashionable things that Jackie may even like started out as being dismissed as ghetto fabulous because black people were wearing them. So a lot of things that were that Jackie might be praising now are descended from the same blackness that she rejects and dismisses because it's still associated with Blackness. So she dismisses Kiki as in the way, as too loud, as too opinionated, as too anything that a black woman is not supposed to be. That's what Kiki is. And Jackie dismisses that at every turn. When every time Kiki has messed up and had to save the day, she makes things better. So when Kiki, you know, was part of the family's effort to undermine Jackie in the first movie and ended up giving She was the one that advised Jackie to go after Tyler in the first place and said, like, hey, you need to do a grand gesture. And, like, that green dress really worked. She elevated Jackie's wardrobe in the first movie immensely. And I think we see it paid off in the second movie. Jackie's outfits are much better, much more relaxed. They definitely um, help her body type more. Why? Because Kiki was Kiki's qualified to go to design school. She just hasn't had the time to go. And even if she didn't go to design school, she knows how to dress. She even says it herself. She's a personal shopper by trade. She knows how to dress people. So she helped Jackie. The green dress looked great. I felt like we could have changed up Jackie's hairstyle a bit to some curls, but we can talk about that another time. But every time Kiki is helping Jackie. She always elevates it in the second movie with the wedding dress. Why did it? So Kiki's a personal shopper. Kiki's going to design school. She is more than qualified. If she dresses better than you, why would you not ask Kiki to help you pick out a wedding dress? Like Kiki knows your style. Like it was still that green dress in the first movie was still that sophisticated, you know, kind of, um, 
work appropriate theme that Jackie likes to go on. But it was a little bit more. It had the buttons. It had that amazing color. It was what Jackie wanted, but better because that's how that's what Kiki knows how to do. So why wouldn't you trust your sister that is qualified to look at clothing, that knows your measurements, that knows how to dress you to help you find the most important dress of, you know, probably your life, right? Why would you not ask for her opinion? Like the dress Jackie had found originally was fine, but Kiki made it better when she picked it. Because that's what Kiki does. But because Jackie looks at Kiki and sees that vivaciousness and sees that extraness and sees that loudness as bad, dismisses it as bad because the rest of the world does, she does not take the opportunity, the privilege of including Kiki in things. And so I do not like that at all. And she not only excludes Kiki from things, she actively puts Kiki down when other people do instead of defending her. While, so we have to revisit this wedding planner. Was the wedding planner right in calling Kiki out when she was in Jackie's business? Yes. Should he have said that? No. Would he have said that if Kiki was white? No. The way this wedding planner regarded, treated Jackie's family was very racist to me. He would not have treated, um, the family differently if they were white. He would have actually acted like he was working for them instead of acting like it's an honor for it's an honor for him to be there. He is being paid for his services. He obviously is he is benefiting more from having Jackie on his website from having some black love on his website than the other way around. There were other wedding planners that Jackie could have picked and she decided to and she made the effort to pursue him. And I'm sure this man got some complaints. There's got to be a reason that he decided to abandon that French chateau he's talking about. I, I, this is just my theory. I think that that website looks white as snow and that's why Jackie went there. I don't think that Jackie's probably like as pro-black as we're led to believe. I think she's very much a respectability queen and I feel like she probably did not see very many black people in the first place. That that was not a red flag. He provides the aesthetic, that all-white aesthetic that she's looking for. So she actively pursued him. And he probably got a few emails or he got a few offers turned down because he does not have a variety of couples on his website. And so he needed the publicity. Because black love only attracts more black people. What do black people tend to have? Buying power. Black people are getting married just as much as everyone else. So... It can only help. So he had the honor of helping this bride plan her wedding. And I think part of wedding planning is managing the family, not just managing the family so they don't cause stress for the bride. Instead of throwing Kiki under the bus, he should have said, this is getting handled. Let me work with you, including Kiki, making maybe even making Kiki feel like she's more involved than she actually is. And really like respecting her because that is the bride, that is the person who's paying you sister. But instead of Jackie standing up for Kiki and being like, hey, actually me and my family are your customers. You are throwing an event. You are planning an event for us. She's like, Kiki, why are you in the way? Why are you disrespecting my wedding planner? Why are you being the worst? She does the same thing when he goes after her mother, her mother and her sister Trina, she yells at them and says, one, you should have been looking for Kiki. And two, why are you in my business? And like 
trying to get the wedding planner not to quit. If my wedding planner is talking sideways to my family, he has to go. Because a wedding is not just my day, it is our event. Like, we are going to all take pictures together. We're all going to be dancing together. And you are supposed to be helping me. If my family is stressing me, that is something for you to handle. And if you're not handling that, if you can't do that without becoming a problem for me, well, I have no patience for you. I have no room for you. So he was definitely wrong. And I think he was definitely being racist there. And I did not appreciate that. So Jackie needs to really do some inner work and figure out what is it about Kiki that really bothers her because Kiki has only helped her so far. I mean, some of you guys are going to be watching this movie being like, what? But Kiki knows how to turn things around after she messes up. But my thing is, Kiki only messes up because she's not involved from the beginning. So why not just involve her from the beginning and have your party look great and have your dress look great and just be merry and happy? Like your family has saved your butt more than once. You wouldn't be working at Queen of the Castle if your family was not involved. So why not just involve them? Like, what they do is not all bad. They add fun. They add excitement. Things that you don't really provide on your own, Jackie. So, you know, look into it. So now we'll move on to Tyler, even though there's a little bit less to say, because at the end of the day, do any of us really know Tyler? You know how you can just look at things and get divinely inspired? At first, I was like, I don't have that much to say about Tyler because he's a stranger. But... What I have to talk about is actually a little bit of a bigger issue, even though I may not be dedicating that like that much time to it. I feel like there was just another strain of anti-blackness throughout this movie. While it claimed to be elevating black American culture, it decided to take a dig at black African cultures instead of African people for absolutely no reason. So Tyler is in a little hot water with me because he mentions that Chris, his friend and the best man, is brave because he goes on medical missions trips to Africa. My question, the question of the day is, why? Well, first, does he go? I'm sorry. Does he go on medical missions trips to all of Africa? Like, how does he have the time to go to your wedding? Like, let me see that schedule. You mean to tell me that he's visiting everywhere in Af- in the continent of Africa all the time. You're telling me that Google was shut down that day and you guys could not find a specific country that he's going to. And in that country, dangerous? Really? He's risking his life? No, please explain to me why. Please explain to me what is it about the continent of Africa with its different geographical locations and the different nationalities and languages and governments that strikes so much fear in your hearts. Please make it make sense to me. And what about and what fears are specifically on the continent of Africa that are not around in the rest of the world? Oh, Boko Haram. Are there not terrorist groups around the world? Are there not terrorist groups communing in your Internet? Are there not possible people being radicalized on the Internet right now? Really? That's what we're worried about? Oh, wild animals? Or don't we regularly have discussions or you see something on Twitter about some large you know, some kangaroo in Australia going nuts or a spider or a snake. But somehow Australia is still a place that people want to visit. Why does that continent strike curiosity, but Africa strikes fear? No, what's the difference? Oh, because black people are there. 
So suddenly it's scary. Suddenly it um, requires bravery. Suddenly it's such a sacrifice to go to. Suddenly it's only a place you want to go to unless you're on medical missions. So not even regular missions. You have to be treating an emergency to be going to the continent of Africa. Oh, really? If you cannot uplift all the black people, leave the black people that you don't like or probably most um, truly don't know anything about alone. No, if as was there an African on the writing team, if there was, shame on you. And if there wasn't, which there most likely wasn't, leave, leave us alone. Permission to be left alone. Really? Really? I thought this was about black American culture from the jumping the broom and, you know, conversation about the ancestors. So what do Africans have to do with this? No, really. Is there anything else about bravery that you could have mentioned instead? Probably. But you decided to take a dig at Africans for what? For what? And the same Africans that you're taking a dig at, um, me being one of them, are on my Internet trying to support you and trying to look at you and be a part of your movie because I'm thinking, you know, black community. I'm trying to find community with you, but apparently you're so scared for me because of where I come from. You have got to be kidding me. So the xenophobia was not great. The anti-blackness in that statement was not great at all. And it was very unnecessary. So if you could just comb through um, Merry Little Christmas, whatever is the third movie, and just comb through and say, you know, am I punching down on black people for no reason? Any kind of black people for no reason? Is there something in this that would make a black person turn, you know, kind of be turned off or feel uncomfortable? Because this whole movie, this whole series is here to elevate black people and entertain black people. So black people, especially black women, should be able to watch this movie and just have a good time. So we should not do anything that triggers them unnecessarily or say anything that um, offends them unnecessarily. Let's prioritize the people that put us on trending, you know, number six and number eight on trending. Let's ed- let's edify them. Let's encourage them. Let's entertain them. Let's, you know, treat them like a valuable customer, like a customer that's equally, if not more valuable than some other people that would normally be watching Lifetime because, you know, this is kind of their time to shine. Let's do that. That's, you know, that's just my encouragement for the script writers of this movie. If you have nothing nice to say about some black people, leave them alone. And I believe that's all I have to say about that line in the movie. Another another thing is forcing people to do things that they clearly do not want to do. So forcing people to kiss. So I felt for that elf. She wanted to see some black love happen. She was trying to help Chris out, but the mistletoe was not it. Kiki's heart was not ready to receive Chris's love and affection. You know, Chris is a commitment foe. Apparently, he is telling on himself that he has a history of ghosting people. So that's a red flag. So is he, you know, she ghosted him. Is he going to ghost her? There's a lot of concerns. We like Chris for now, but he is highly suspicious. So if there could be, you know, another guy, I'm not that committed to Chris. I want Kiki to find love, but I want Kiki to find the best guy possible for her. And Chris does not seem like a very secure investment at this time. We're looking for kind of like a blue chip investment of men. That's someone that's steady, someone that's always going to bring returns because they're kind of a place that you cannot imagine your life with, you cannot imagine your world without that kind of thing. That's 
what we're looking for for Kiki. We are not looking for um, you're interesting, I'm interested, mostly because you ghosted me. And that usually doesn't happen because I'm the one that does the ghosting. And uh, by the way, I'm 35. Absolutely not. So if we could just get somebody else, that'd be great. But, you know, the elf doesn't know that. She's just, you know, attractive black people. My social media is telling me that black love is on decline or it's extinct. You know, whatever, whatever you're seeing on your timeline, that's what I'm seeing on mine sometimes. And it's just, it's just, whoo, it's not great. So she, you know, thrusts a mistletoe between them and says, make this happen. But that's not how you make kisses happen. Most importantly, you should not try to make kisses happen because no means no. So elf, no means no. And let's not create a situation where, you know, a emphatic no has to be said. And at the end of the movie, forcing people to have babies, especially like right after they got married, like marriage changes things. You have a different level of commitment than before. You're all in each other's business. You're sharing a last name. You're trying to figure out, you know, especially, you know, with, with us straight people, like we're still trying to we need, I feel like we need a massive convention that redefines marriage. My theory is that marriage was not ruined by anybody else but straight people. Especially, you know, straight dudes not catching up with things. That's just my little theory. So, you know, it's really difficult to um, work into, you know, the modern age. And then you have like those traditional roles in marriage and how to blend those together or and real and you know figure out what works for your marriage because your marriage doesn't look like anybody else's relationship, but you still want to be able to be in community with your couple friends and talk amongst each other and say you know what do I need and let me vent but not vent too much because someone might be, might try to take my man or vent too much because he'll find out. Like there's all this stuff to work through, and then you want to throw in a baby in there as soon as possible? Absolutely not. I could say you know years. Years into your marriage, once you figure out a rhythm that works for you, then maybe think about a baby. Or you know what? The way Jackie and Tyler are set up, Tyler already has two kids. I don't think he needs a third. And I just feel like the way Jackie is set up, like she's trying to get out, you know, trying to feed those kids some olives and kale or whatever her smoothies are in. Like, I don't think she's a person that necessarily wants kids. I feel like she only wants kids to make her parents happy because that's like traditions and someone to pass on traditions. She can pass on traditions to Coco and Josh. Okay, they're littles by association. Or you know what, Mr. and Mrs. Little, you have Ava. You have Bryce or Bryce. You don't need a kid from Jackie. You just want a kid from Jackie. And whether you need one or, or want one, like it's not your womb. So leave leave her alone. Leave Jackie alone. Let Jackie ascend the corporate ladder and enjoy her days with Chris. They are a family even without a child. Jackie was a family to herself. Her family has grown because now she's married to Tyler. That's it. So I was not in support of that pressure and that embarrassment of Jackie and Tyler at the end of the movie. They should not be pressured to have a child. And honestly, I think the story would work. But we just kind of end things there with Jackie and Tyler, and really move on to some of the other siblings. That's just my piece of. So maybe you're listening to this, and your number one question is, what is Merry Little Christmas, and who are the littles? That's a great question. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I start a story by, like, middle, beginning, middle, and then end. So it may not be um, as sequential as you may like. And for that, 
I apologize. This is something that is a part of my life, and I just don't feel led to change at this time. So maybe that should have been like a disclaimer at the beginning. And another disclaimer, I, well, yes, another disclaimer, I don't know any of these people I mentioned. If I talked about an actor or a celebrity or whatever, I don't know any of these people. I just know what I see. Well, I just see what I see and I comment on it. So I try to prevent harm as much as I can. But if I cause harm, I apologize and I look forward to adjusting and growing as a person and as a content creator. So let's move on. So who, so what, what is Merry Little Christmas? So Merry Little Christmas and Merry Little Christmas Wedding are hall is a series of hall series of lifetime movies, lifetime Christmas movies specifically that feature um, Jackie Little played by Kelly Rowland and her zany family, the Littles, as they celebrate Christmas each year. And in the, the, yeah, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be like a romance, like a rom-com, but it really is a family movie that just so happens to have romance happening in it, as many of these black movies do. I think I'm really, I mean, the racism doesn't surprise me, but really black movies have been doing this, have been doing what Hallmark and Lifetime and Netflix are doing for years, just throwing a bunch of talented people together and seeing what happens. But on seeing what happened. So it was no surprise that the family dynamics if the Littles completely work because black actors have just been in these type of roles before and they're talented in whatever. So I was not surprised that the family dynamic worked. I was a little disappointed that the romance aspect, especially in the first movie, was lacking significantly, especially since it's being on Lifetime and that's supposed to kind of be their, that's the angle that they sort of bring in. So that's what Mary, that's what the movies are about. So let's talk about these littles. Who are the littles? So mom and there's Mr. and Mrs. Little, mom and dad. I'm sure they have names. I don't know them. They are retired. Mom loves cooking and providing for people. And the dad likes familiarity and consistency. He's learned to choose peace by following along with what Mrs. Little wants, unless it takes him out of his comfort zone. He is very quietly stubborn, but the way that they transport their home to different locations is very much like my parents. So I found that heartwarming. It is not just us immigrants that like what we like. So whatever, you know, y'all make fun of us. This was just confirmation that we are not alone. And it was just very, it was very, yes, as I said before, endearing, heartwarming, all the feels. That was cute. Then we have the eldest daughter, Jackie Little, a tech entrepreneur with her own company. I forgot what this company is called. I believe it's Little by Little Media or Design. I think the name is super cute. Let me look it up. Little by Little Lifetime. I am reading articles right now. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm not finding this immediately, so we're probably going to abandon it. What? I just found out the director is possibly a Nigerian. So that's exciting. We love that. 
I'm getting distracted. I know I'm getting distracted. Okay, so I'm on my lifetime. I just want to know what this company... It has little by little by in the title. So, it's cute. Sorry, I don't know what that was. Should be more prepared. Back to my outline. She has her own company that features her last name. Cute. She's type A and she likes having things her own way, as we talked about before. Then we have Trina, a.k.a. T. She's a former nurse who now works with her husband, Julian. They have two daughters. They're always trying to find ways to strengthen their bond, but she always puts her family, especially Jackie, first. Her role in the family is a mediator, but she's just as messy as everyone else. And lastly, we have Kiara, my girl, a.k.a. Kiki, my queen. She has a, she has a son, Bryce, along with Bryce with a man, Aaron, who we've never met, and a dog. She's a personal shopper. She wants to go back to design school, but she can't afford it right now. And she's kind of the black sheep of the family because they claim that she's the cause of most of the drama. And maybe because I'm biased because I love Kiki so much, but it's just not true there is propaganda in this movie and i will not stand for it so let's talk about this first film merry little christmas should it exist should it be part of canon it's not good and i don't know if it's so good it's bad i did enjoy trashing it with my brothers and my family friend when we all watched it together but i don't know if i'd enjoy watching this movie by myself so i don't know if it's that kind of bad it's good i feel like it requires like a group effort to really you know examine the movie kind of like a step up for I liked that experience of going I think I had some cousins with me when we went to go see it and we all decided it was terrible together but I'd never watched up before again especially by myself so this is kind of giving me that feels but because my heart is so warmed towards the sequel Merry Little Christmas Wedding maybe that warmth maybe that affection that fondness has given me the strength to go back and examine Merry Little Christmas with a lot more compassion because I can get ready for the blessing that's the sequel but what's wrong with the first film why is it not good why is it not good Well, first, the first question, it's because it only provides questions instead of answers. And in the world of Hallmark and Lifetime, there's only so much intrigue that's supposed to be had. The comfort of these movies is because I know the end from the beginning. I'm not worried about what the ending is. The only question is how we get there. And it's an end that I'm supposed to want to happen. I'm supposed to want these people to get together. I'm supposed to want that cute little mom and pop shop to be saved. I'm supposed to want, you know, that, you know, magical old man they meet to wink at the camera and be like, I've been an angel this whole time or something like that. Or I want, you know, the dog to lead everybody home and remind us of family or whatever this movie's telling me. I want all of those things to happen. And I just feel like I did not necessarily want Jackie and Tyler to get together. And that was a bummer because I'm supposed to want to. I'm supposed to want this black club to happen. And I think there were a few detractors from that. First thing, what is this soundtrack? I just, so there's this huge fight about Jackie not allowing her mother to help her in the kitchen. And, you know, the mother's like, don't you want to pass down the tradition and talking about the ancestors? This is like one of the bigger fights in the film. And we kind of get this like, it's not like exactly that song, but it's said to this kind of like, isn't this crazy? And I get the feeling that the whoever mixed the music for this movie has no idea what's going on. 
They don't understand the storyline. I don't think a black person put this movie together or put like the music for this movie together. If they did, you know, shame on you. If they did, you missed the mark entirely. If they did, you must have been like watching Netflix while doing this because you did not do your job. A movie like this definitely needed music to add that extra, that extra like black family warmth and um, culture and feeling to the movie that I was looking for. I was looking for a few more jazzier numbers, you know, just some kind of, yeah, like I would love like, like, especially with the idea of the family of like the dad bringing in his records and that record player, I would have loved to see more like, I would love a scene of like you watch the record spin and that's like a transition to the next scene. Why am I doing your job for you, Lifetime? Like, why is that? That's what I don't understand. And seeing like, okay, this is a song I got. This is a song I love. And maybe even them even having like more obscure pieces so that you can afford the rights because that might have been a problem. Like maybe you can't get that song, but maybe if you had done like songs that were a bit more B-sides or obscure artists, that would have given them like the chance to shine and really like paid attention to black artists and kind of added to that whole like supporting, you know, pro-black message that this movie is supposed to be a part of. That's what I'm thinking. So missed opportunity there. But let's move on to my next gripe. And then a common theme is this like E-Piano 180 style music that they use when it's when it's supposed to be a sad scene. Like that's the thing. It's supposed to be sad, but it kind of feels like, oh, sad scene, like, Doo! or whatever. Like it doesn't really fit with what's going on at all. It's just like, like you wonder, like, did the person doing the soundtrack for this movie actually watch the movie at all? Are they really like paying attention to what's going on? Do they get these characters so you understand so you understand like the cultural significance of it or even just basically like the storyline itself or I don't know like it just doesn't fit the vibe and I really felt, felt like E-Piano 1 should have stayed in the first movie unfortunately we got it a little bit in the second but I'll move on to praising the second movie in a few minutes let's talk about this first one so yeah I just feel like the timing was weird my next gripe is with these unnecessary scenes I feel like this is this is something that I've seen in not one but two haunt but was that did that happen in No Time Like Christmas? I don't think it's a handshake. I don't think a handshake happened in that movie. But in both movies, do they understand that like you can be close to a child without having a secret handshake? Or maybe I'm saying that as a person that did not take the time to create a secret handshake. I think I saw this in the princess switch as well. You can have an emotional tie to a child. You could have some kind of a good rapport with a child without including a handshake. That's the fact, that's the thing I don't understand. It felt a little unnecessary to me. And then that scene where um, the mother, Mrs. Little, is delegating tasks to the woman in the kitchen. They were kind of giving me black sorority with like the way they were sitting and being dressed out. That was kind of cute. But then it's like, we are illogical people. Why are they dressed up to cook? Like, I would expect that maybe if we're, um, like, showing off the food or something or, like, doing, like, a special, like, this is a Christmas dinner. We're walking to the dining together. Like, we're all going to have a good night. Let's cheers to, like, us completing the meal. But why are we all dressed to cook? Like, wouldn't that ruin your outfits? I just didn't understand that. And then they did, like, this weird, um, 
girl power go team kind of thing. It just felt odd to me. Like that's not something that would happen in my family, but maybe let me know if your family requires an extra motivation to cook together. And then my next gripe was, isn't it been Christmas outside? I get they're in California, but I felt like there should be like that recognition of like, oh, like are people like not, you know, putting up Christmas decorations in California? Maybe some joke like it's not like the not like the South, so maybe like a kind of like a godless thing. Like, do they even know, you know, it's the reason for the season? Just something like that. I feel like the Littles are just like that black family that's going to church together. So I appreciate, so like, I would appreciate a joke like that. So I think the biggest gripe that I have with the first movie is a question we're all asking. Who is Tyler and why should we care? As you can hear in the background, I am in that part of the house with my parents heater and boiler really making a joyful noise in the background so I apologize if you can't hear me um, that well I'm gonna try to speak a little louder although my voice doesn't naturally project okay so back to Tyler I thought this movie this movie is supposed to be primarily a rom-com a love story but it's more of like a family movie that features that just so happens to have like love blossoming in it and even the love that blossoms it's like a nice little like sprout but we're supposed to attach a lot of value and think there's a lot more intimacy in this romance than there actually is like there's not a lot enough of a foundation or even like a scene of Tyler opening up and being vulnerable that justifies the kiss that happens at the end and usually we're supposed to like cheer and think like yes this is settled when the two characters finally kiss at the end of these movies but this time I was like what that doesn't make any sense And that's the fault of the writing. So the writing sets itself up for failure when usually it's supposed to like start something and then kind of sew like those um, open-ended things by the end of the movie. That's how what I think like writing usually works. I'm not a writer. So like maybe, you know, I'm just part of the audience. I thought that's how that worked. But I felt like there were a lot of loose ends that they just try to wrap up, but then only left a bunch of knots and not really a beautiful masterpiece of a story. So let's explain. So in the so in the beginning, there was a website, a dating website, and Kiki and T, aka Trina, are trying to get Jackie to open her heart again. Well, actually, we should start at the meet cute. So the meet cute is when Tyler shows up at Jackie's door with a package that had gone to his house instead of her house because they're neighbors. And so he uses an opportunity, apparently he's, he's, you know, he saw her before, thought she was cute. And this is his moment. He's going to own it and really make things happen. So I admire Tyler for that. I love seeing a black man pursue a black woman. We love to see it. So I thought this was a really cute gesture. And Jackie was not nice. She was not having it because he had said, he had mentioned being, you know, like kind of waking up in the morning, getting his breakfast and seeing her across the street and being like, oh, like she's cute. Who's that? She takes that to mean that he's a lazy bum because she's like, um, productive people are usually up and ready to go to work by 830. And Trina's like, girl, girl, abort, 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 abort. She's like, get Jackie away from them. The more Jackie speaks, the worse it's going to get. She said, you know, thank you. Thank you. We are taking this package. And, you know, Jackie, close your mouth forever. Hold your peace. What are you doing? 
because Trina, who is a nurse, recognizes that people can work at night. Trina was making sense. And also, it just explains a lot about the second movie, this wedding, because I was wondering where were Jackie's friends. Jackie has class. Jackie has style. Jackie lacks tact. Like, who would really, really you're going to say that to someone you just met and someone that you just met and is trying to be nice? Are you getting me? So that was really not a good look for Jackie. So Kiki and Trina are trying to get Jackie back out there. I love the scenes between the sisters the best. I love the chemistry between those three actresses. It was very believable that they were sisters. And, you know, they're having their wine. They're catching up. And they decide to go on a dating website and make a profile for Jackie. And she's protesting, even though she doesn't have time to date. So, you know, where are you going to meet him? Right? And they see Tyler's profile. And Tyler mentions that he has two kids and loves dogs. So my one of my favorite YouTubers, as told by Kenya, asks a very important question. If you have a kid, why are you here with me? Tyler has a lot of time on his hands for someone who has two kids and it's the holidays. Like, shouldn't you be with your kids? during the holidays, ideally. And if you are not with your kids during the holidays, that would be very unattractive to me. So if we had just seen like, so I would have preferred this movie to be like more family centered. Like, I mean, the storyline, like it doesn't give us that many interactions between Jackie and Tyler anyway. So I don't know why they decided to market this as a love story. I would have loved this was just Merry Christmas, the Littles, and then they're setting us up for a second movie where we talk about Jackie and Tyler's relationship. So I thought it would have been cute. And Tyler's like handing over the package saying like, I'm going to the airport, gotta, you know, spend time with my kids during the holidays. And then Jackie's like, okay, you know, being rude and stuff. And then we kind of like set us up for that next movie and then maybe she reaches out to him or they like connect online and we see like a few cute messages and it kind of sets us up for their love story in the second movie but that's not what happens instead Tyler is everywhere it's giving us very you on Netflix it's giving us very the talented Mr. Ripley it kind of seems like he's trying to like finagle his way into the little family I actually think that would be hilarious because it's a lifetime so they're they've you know, at first they were kind of known for being the network that had those like crazy murder, tr murder stories, true crime stories. So I would love if like all of their rom-coms had like a little bit of like a dark twist, kind of connecting their origins with like their present of being, you know, um, Hallmark, but quote unquote woke. So I would love that. But that's not the case. Tyler's Helpfulness is supposed to be an attractive thing, but I'm really surprised that like Jackie and all her rudeness never acts like, don't you have kids? But then he'd be like, how do you know I have kids? And she'd be like, uh, cause I stuck through the internet. Mm. So, or just something like trying to figure, trying to ask more questions than she does, but maybe it's, it's like more, more of like another knock on Jackie, like Jackie's kind of selfish and self-centered. So she's like more than happy to have Tyler like be interested in her and here to rescue her and her family. And she's not really asking a lot of questions about him. I would actually think it'd be funny during the third movie if Tyler pointed that out. Like, do you actually know anything about me? And then, you know, her in the audience would be like, no. 
So especially in this first movie, like he doesn't have kids. He doesn't mention his kids and he doesn't have a dog and he doesn't interact with Kiki's dog at all to be like, you know, I love dogs just to kind of like make it make sense. So that was like a huge, especially the kids. I didn't care for the dog that much or I don't care about dogs that much in general. I think they're fine. I think they're cute. It's just a little bit too much affection for me. But I just felt like that was just a huge um, just gaping hole in the storyline of just like this is supposed to be our lead. But he actually like gets a, probably like the least amount of screen time or character building in this entire movie. And I really didn't feel like we got time for the chemistry to build for the amount of like physical intimacy and emotional intimacy that we're supposed to believe they have. So there is especially one scene in um, Tyler's restaurant. He ends up saving the day somehow. They're in the restaurant um, celebrating, you know, having, doing like this. What? Hmm. They're like giving away presents and food to poor members of the community. And like, I guess Tyler's having some kind of like special Christmas dinner as, um, yeah, some kind of like a special Christmas dinner um, that's free and for, as I said before, like poor people in the community. So I thought that was a really, you know, cute gesture. But again, this is a lot of work for someone, you know, with kids during the holidays. I'm just saying. And then. He's like, he's like going up behind Jackie and like rubbing her shoulder. Then they're just like holding each other. And they've only talked about like three times before that. The first time Jackie was rude. The second time was when they met in some like little cute Christmas store. And Jackie decides to buy a snow globe of Santa riding a motorcycle because like Tyler like appreciates kind of like the silly side of her. It's like this whole thing of like Jackie is constantly trying to be type A and be perfect, but Tyler appreciates her imperfections. It was cute. And then the third time was when, well, maybe actually four times. Third time is when she gives him Christmas cookies and they sit outside their porch. And it's like, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about, you know, Tyler's missing children. But instead we talk about, you know, Jackie needing to appreciate her crazy family or something like that. And then the fourth time was in the park. And this is the this is the part that really where the bad acting came in. There's a few. Well, I'm, I'm going to blame it on bad writing, maybe not bad writing and bad stage directions. I'm not I'm going to try not to blame the actors too much. But there is this scene where Jackie and Tyler are sitting in the park talking to each other and Kiki's dog kind of breaks free and runs down the park. And so it's Jackie and Kiki that actually run after the dog. Tyler doesn't join them, which I felt was a really weird choice because if you're trying just to be a nice person in general, wouldn't you try to help? Or wouldn't you try to see, you know, yeah, wouldn't you try to help get the dog? But he doesn't. And so Jackie and he are running on their own. And then Jackie ends up getting hit by a Frisbee and falling down. She does it in a very odd way. This reminded me of Anne Hathaway's death in one fine, yes, one, is it one fine day or just one day when she had that terrible British accent? So this scene isn't supposed to be funny, but like she's riding on a bike and she gets hit by a car and she just, you, if you haven't looked at that scene, please do it. It's maybe not, you know, like 
if it's like traumatic or anything, but it's just like the weirdest scene. It's supposed to be like so sad and emotional, but it really isn't when you're watching it. You're just like, wait, is she? Did she die? And so this is a far less serious scene, but it was just kind of similar to that where she just gets knocked over and it's not, it's not treated with the drama that it could have been. It was not created to be this beautiful meet cute moment of Tyler rushing to her side and being like, are you all right? And she's like, I don't know, or something like that, that it was like supposed to be. Or, and I think in true Jackie fashion, she'd like be like, I'm okay, whatever, you know, and it'd be kind of funny that like push and pull of their relationship that's supposed to be cute in rom-coms, but we're not getting any of that. It just seems really awkward when it was actually supposed to be a moment that was supposed to grow their relationship, I felt. So we don't know much about Tyler, except that he's incredibly helpful and has way too much time on his hands, not even as just a father of two, but as someone that's running a restaurant during the holidays. Like, wouldn't that be a busier time than it is? Then like, busier time? Wouldn't you like want to be helping out if you have, you know, people that are taking vacation or can't make it or whatever, like, shouldn't you be at your restaurant? So I thought that was really strange. And so when Jackie ends up going across the street to grab Tyler and kiss him in front of a stop sign, that was not romantic either. It was just kind of like, how did we get here? How did we get here from not learning anything about this man. The most we learn about this man is from a website, not the man himself. And they don't have a lot of moments to like weather through things together or a serious conversation about family and appreciating family and, you know, maybe what Tyler wants his own family to be. Maybe like, you know, I learned a lot from my divorce and I'm open to love again. We're not getting anything from Tyler um, we learn a lot about Jackie, so it just feels a little bit lopsided to me for a movie that claims that both of them are the leads. So, and I'm totally fine for guys getting totally spies treatment where they just, you know, pop in and out. But I just felt like if that was Tyler's treatment, then we should have gotten this movie to be about the littles, not necessarily about Jackie and Tyler. So, but maybe they thought it wouldn't sell as much if it was just about, you know, Jack, if it was just about the family. But I feel like, you know, you have Brisha Webb, you have Kelly Rowland, you have two actresses that are, you know, pretty popular amongst black fans. We appreciate them. And I feel like black people, I think I've said this before, um, we have plenty of movies like this where it's just about families during the holidays and you're, you know, navigating every single couple. So we don't really need this to be a rom-com. I actually feel like it's like a nice callback to those movies of like the early 2000s and 90s where it's about, you know, black people gathering during the holidays. I think that would have actually been really cute and refreshing. So those are my feelings on the first film. And now moving on to the second, which is definitely a um, redemption story for sure. Oh, my last gripe is about Trina's baby. Trina's baby, I'm guessing like I could not find who that actress was. That baby is not black or does not, you know, seem black or is not black presenting at all. 
that was looking very like, and the baby is adorable. I was thinking more of like a Latinx child and it makes no sense to me. Lifetime, you've been accused of this Cosby show, colorist um, <laughs> casting before. Why could you not find a black baby? I don't, it's the way I don't, it's the way I fail to understand it. And I was, I saw like a few commercials like this where you would have black parents and a like biracial presenting child. And I don't appreciate that. If you have, if you take the time to see that black love is important and have two black adults, can they please have a black child? Can they please have a visibly black child? There, I, there are plenty of opportunities. Like, and if you want, you know, this biracial child to be in your commercial, then have that inter, then have that interracial couple. But it just feels like there's this agenda to make it seem like there has not been black babies born since 2000, and I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. It's not true. And if you like. I don't understand it. Black babies are just as cute as other children. There are plenty of, I'm sure, black parents that are looking for casting opportunities. When you go through content um, content consumption with the idea of black people can do everything and black people are doing everything, you will find them. I was thinking about like K-pop podcast and trying to get more get more into that community on Twitter. And I just thought, you know, I like K-pop as a black person, let me find K-pop podcasts. Let me find people on Twitter. And do you know what? I found some. If you are actively looking for them, you will find them. But I noticed in this movie especially that there were not any dark-skinned black children. Um, I I think at least they were, you know, they were lighter-skinned black children. And then this child, like, Y'all could have like said like, hey, like let's just put in our own decorations after the after the crew comes, or something. But this was just all general like the littles being petty, and these kids. So Ava and Bryce end up ordering Christmas presents for the for themselves on Jackie's card. So Jackie has this like Siri or smart home thing called Vincent. And the kids just think like this is like Vincent's a magical genie. And it was very odd that the kids did not realize that like this was not free. These children are like eight or nine years old. They are not dumb. They are not completely clueless. And I was surprised they did not get in more trouble for doing this. Who knows how much Jackie ended up spending on all these presents. I thought it was cute they turned it around and ending up giving the presents away at Tyler's restaurant. But I felt like there was not enough. They were just like, oh, kids. And I do get um, wanting a better representation of a black family. You don't maybe not doing like the way I'm going to get these kids, the way these kids are going to get beat. Like that's maybe not the reaction we'd want on our Lifetime movie. But I felt like some correction, some like scolding, some like you're grounded or you're going to have to wash these dishes or something was in order. So like, I do understand that the black community does need to review the ways we have disciplined, quote unquote, children over the years. I do get there's a certain amount of 
lack of care, lack of emotional sensitivity that has been passed on from generation to generation. You got to be tough. You got to be strong. You got to get together or you'll be whipped into shape, you know, but there still needs to be some degree of correction and discipline and order. And you can do that without physical violence, I think. So that lack of parenting, which stretches into the second movie, is still an issue that I have. And sorry, I had to unlock my phone, get back to my notes. And then Kiki herself. So she does in she she does encourage Julian to put up the lights, but he could have he could have stuck up for himself. And I feel like Julian does need a little bit more of a backbone. He does still need to kind of think some things through of like Jackie wouldn't like this. Jackie wouldn't appreciate this. Kiki, why are you really doing this? Are you really doing this for Jackie? Or you're trying to you're trying to like show show her up or prove something to her? Like you can you can put up these Christmas light, lights at your own house. Did you put up these Christmas lights at your own place? Like, come on. And then her dog, like her dog should have been boarded. If she could not find someone to to take care of her dog or look after her dog. I know we don't like boarding our pets. I know it's not right. I know they hate it. I know they get anxious. But if you know your dog trashes your house when you're gone for too long, why was that never mentioned? Why is it like, hey, like we have to get back to the house in 30 minutes or my dog is gonna lose it? Or why didn't you bring a cage for your dog or put your dog like in a certain room with some food and calm him down? Like why was this... Or like give him, you know, some kind of medicine to calm him down, some kind of something. You know, I just, there was just a lot of, there was just a lack of thought in Kiki's actions that did deserve a bit of, you know, a little bit of side eye. But I do believe that even though Kiki is just as messy as everyone else, she is not the messiest and she is not like completely untrustworthy. I really felt like they were trying to bring something like make sure we didn't believe her when she mentioned that she had lost her suitcase and needed Jackie's clothes. Like Kiki said it herself. She's a personal shopper. Like she's not like destitute and trying to bum off of Jackie. And I felt like that was kind of what we were supposed to think. When she says she lost the luggage and like now needs Jackie's clothes, she does not need Jackie's clothes. And most importantly, she probably doesn't want them because Jackie's style does not match her style. And I personally love the way Kiki dresses. I think she has better style than Jackie does. So there's this weird thing that goes on through the movie where she constantly brings up lost my luggage, lost my luggage. And I really don't like that, especially since Kiki is kind of like the quote unquote like blackest one of the cast and one that's supposed to kind of signal a certain kind of blackness, a certain kind of stereotypical blackness the most. There was this, there was this way we were not supposed to take her seriously. We're not supposed to trust her. And, you know, she's kind of a bum because she hasn't gone back to design school or something. So I did not appreciate that. It turns out she actually did lose her luggage, but fortunately they got the Christmas angel who ended up saving the day. So I think those are all my thoughts on the first movie and then I'll move on to the sequel. And sorry if you heard my stomach growl. I'm starving. I'm going to get some food and then I'll get right back to this. And now we have got to talk about this sequel. There are very few sequels that are better than the first 
movie and this has to be one of them like i'm i'm strongly considering buying this movie i enjoyed it so much i thought it was so cute like just a movie to have as part of your collection or just something to watch over and over again each year i thought it was super cute and i'm I mean, maybe it's just the time and place where I was when I watched this. Like, I'm not saying that's going to change your life, but it truly blessed mine. Let's talk about Merry Little Christmas Wedding. This is what happens when you listen to black women. This is what happened when you listen to black women that are here supporting you, that are, you know, cheering for you, that want you to win. You listen to them and you only win some more. And I really loved being able to watch this. Like this is the first time that I've watched something live on Twitter and seen the comments. I thought it was so fun. All the gifs were hilarious. I love tweeting along with everybody else. It was really just the whole experience of this was really fun for me. Okay, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yay. Okay, so in the sequel, Jackie and Tyler are getting married after dating for a year. And let's just talk about some things that stood out to me that were much better. This soundtrack was much better. However, I did not like the McDonald's commercial entrance for Kiki again. And then you put her in an outfit that she probably would not choose for herself. It was just like, what kind of rainbow outfit can we throw together for our girl? And... If you see her snakeskin pants in the forest, that outfit, that is a much different change than the um, than whatever concoction they put her in when she first enters. And she has this like scene of her walking in. It just feels very, it feels very gross. It feels very disrespectful for someone who is truly a fan favorite. It's like, I don't think y'all understand what people like about this movie. So we came for Jackie, but we are staying here because of Kiki. And I'll talk about Risha Webb. I thought I told you I was going to talk about Risha Webb later. Later is not here, but she really was the MVP of this movie. And the writers and directors, all of you guys conspired to disrespect her. And I do not appreciate that. Like we did not need that. And it's like, if you have black women like watching your film, like you don't have to, like, do you like us? The answer is no. But you know, Kelly, like, I feel like you should have paid, but maybe, you know, you got a spirit of black excellence too. So I don't know, but it was not a cute look. I did not appreciate seeing my girl Kiki dismissed like that again. And then we had some unnecessary scenes. I really wish that Josh and Jackie had their had their own moment. I know we talk about having, you know, great black male role models, but I do really think we need to talk about the role like black mothers play and black mothers and mother figures play in um, black men's lives and black boys lives like I think they need a lot more respect and not just the struggle like they pray so much and they fight so much but just something that just like a little black boy really respecting a black woman would be a really great scene to see and just her you know giving wisdom and maybe how to you know understand his sister better or just something I feel like that would have been something very cute or just talking about you know I could have, I would have loved a scene about talking to him why she, you know, why she chose her father or, you know, why black love is important or just something or even, you know, love and love and marriage are things to believe in. I think that would have been a really powerful scene also. While I did enjoy Coco and Jackie's moment, I felt there should have been a moment to really solidify Josh and Jackie's relationship and what they gave me of him falling into her arms was just not enough. Like, 
He fell two inches away from her. It seems like he has this thing of being clumsy and going to the nearest adult for comfort because he's like six or seven. So I'm not really sure it's because of some emotional bond or like he just needs someone, you know, to like kiss him and make it better. So that was not enough for me. And it didn't really compare to what Coco and Jackie shared. What other unnecessary scenes? Back to my outline. I hated Santa Baby. Maybe it's my youth group training, so anything that, like, seems a little sexual, I'm like, oh, oh, no. But I also felt like having that scene right after Jackie telling Coco, like, I want to go on my own adventures, and I don't wait for Amanda to rescue me, and da-da-da, like, it wasn't like that was much sweeter than that. But I just felt after that really empowering scene, Jackie pretty much telling Kiki, like, oh, let's perform a sexy dance to get your man, just didn't sit right with me. It felt unnecessary, and it felt like it kind of took away from the power of, of the scene that had happened just a few minutes before. And it's like Kiki wasn't even ready to open up to Chris at the time and, like, really be with him. So I just felt like what purpose is a serve besides just be just, you know, following that trope someone mentioned on Twitter, like in every black Christmas movie or black movie, there's got to be like some performance. So maybe following in that trope, but it didn't feel earned. I would have loved like somebody said that the sisters ended the plastics. I did think they did. They did a good job. I don't think it was like as iconic as Mean Girls, but they did a really great job. And they all looked great. But I felt like let's do this routine that we did in high school or let's do like, you know, that dance that we learned before. Like there was just nothing that felt like it was going to lead up to this scene or earn this scene at all. And instead of just, you know, saying like I'm going to attract my man with my feminine wiles, I would have liked a scene of just like emotional vulnerability. We did get that at the end of the movie at the wedding reception, but I felt like that served the purpose of drawing them closer together and um, building their relationship upon something that was a lot more mature and stable and solid instead of like sexual attraction and like seduction and just things that don't last and are just kind of shallow. So I did not feel like that scene was very necessary at all. What else? And I love that we got Christmas. I loved the Christmas decorations around the hotel. And I just love how much the littles love Christmas. I just decorated. I um, helped my mom decorate for the house for Christmas. And I definitely did not have as much Christmas spirit as they did. But they definitely inspired me to get off my butt. And just I feel like as you're older, for me at least, now that I'm spending money for Christmas, I enjoy it a lot less. But just to see a bunch of adults that really enjoyed Christmas was refreshing and encouraging to me. And just finding that holiday spirit from family rather than material things. So I thought it was really cute. And I loved the change of a dress for Santa. I really thought that was an adorable scene. That whole thing, like where is that hotel? That level of customer service was just really sweet. And I loved seeing black kids like having, you know, having whimsy and believing in magic and black parents really encouraging that in them instead of being like, Santa isn't real. I got, I kind of got that like reality check treatment, but of course, you know, parents are stressed during Christmas time. But I think it's nice to see the black family in a different light. I think there are plenty of tweets and jokes about like black parents being realistic and laying down the law. So it's just really refreshing to see just generations of 
Black parents and grandparents encouraging their children to dream and imagine, so much so that they really want Santa to know where they are, and the hotel, you know, supporting that by giving them that change of address um, notification from Santa was adorable. So that was really sweet. And I really thought the parents deserved to win the snowman contest. I would not have thought of turning a snowman upside down. So that was actually pretty cool. And just them, this them and these Christmas trees, it's getting ridiculous. So I really look forward to, to figure out what they're going to do with this Christmas tree in the third movie. The fact that they decided to bring a Christmas tree from their home to this hotel is just it's sending me like to just a place of so much happiness. And I would love a, a movie with just the kids like exploring Chris, exploring the hotel for Christmas, kind of like a home alone or sweet life of Zach and Cody moment. I would think, I think it's so like I, my favorite Christmas movie is home alone. So I think it'll be really cool to see black kids being that adventurous and being able to explore and really feel like they have a safe place to just be kids since they weren't being supervised anyway I think that'd be really cute to just have a full movie around the first scene where Josh is like well Santa know where I am to um to his granddad and his granddad's like I'm sure Santa will know your geographical location and we're all like okay and that scene where they were on the roof trying to make signs for Santa which was which is very funny I appreciated that I would just love and maybe ending at Julian giving that change of address notification. So I think that would actually be a really creative movie for Lifetime to do. Uh, as much as I love all these rom-coms, I would love to see different types of Christmas movies being produced by these networks. I think that would be really refreshing, which, is, which I realize is a word that I use a lot. So I apologize for that. Um, another thing I like about Tyler, this was supposed to be about Tyler, but there were just so many enjoyable characters in this movie, Coco. Coco's my girl. I I just loved all the scenes with her, especially when she did Jackie's makeup. I thought that look had potential. So she was going in on the blush, but I really liked the blue lipstick, actually. I was like, am I? I saw, I saw a tweet that kind of said the same thing. I was like, Kelly's actually rocking this. Maybe a little less blush or a different shade, but but I can see this. I can, I'm seeing something together in my brain and it looks good. So I would love a little thread of Coco maybe getting better with makeup throughout each movie because I want 10 little movies. Yep. 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 I mean, there's so many people and they're just, I just have lots of ideas. As I enjoy things, I start to kind of like do people's jobs for them and come up with storylines as you've already heard. So I'm perfectly fine with 10 of these. It's, it's I feel like it's only going to get better from here. I love how much Tyler loves the Littles. I think he and his parents, I love that they're just normal people. I've just accepted the Littles are themselves and they are just here for the ride. So I love how he caters to Jackie and really supports and comforts her. Um, when Kiki ruined the dress, is it, it was inevitable how they did it. I did not see that coming, but I love how you see Kiki be like, nope, I'm not going to ruin it. Nope, I'm not going to ruin it. And then ends up ruining it anyway. That was really funny. And I thought Brisha Webb acted that out really, really well. But when Tyler tells Jack, tells like Kiki, like, girl, you got to go. I, I loved that. It seems like he really understands the family dynamics. And he's just here to support Jackie and not necessarily correct her. Like you'll never learn, but just be like, whatever, 
whatever happens, I'm here to, 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 you know, bridge that gap between commiserating with you, but also being protective of your family and making sure you don't completely throw them under the bus. Even though I wish we had gotten that group text canceling the wedding, I loved in the first movie when she decided to text them from her room that Christmas is over and basically kicked them out. That was hilarious to me. That was so weird. But I, but you know, since I guess since Tyler is has been there, she's kind of grown up a bit. But my favorite thing about Tyler is how he supports Jackie and just caters to her and comforts her. I love that he has learned that the littles are always going to bring the fun to any event, even if Jackie refuses to learn that lesson. And he is there to do damage control. He is there to keep the family away from Jackie when she is about to lose it. And he's there to comfort her. He has a great job with commiserating with Jackie and also defending and protecting her relationship with the family. I really appreciated that the most um, of their conversation. Well, I appreciated him talking about the importance of marriage and that the marriage was the marriage is really their focus, not the wedding, like the wedding's just a day. And even though it's not going her way, as long as they're married and together, that's most important. It was really nice um, hearing a man, a black man, especially talk about marriage and wanting to pursue that. But I really appreciated him taking the time to defend her family. Even that little comment of him calling the wedding planner spoiled. I said accurate, like at the end of the day, the wedding planner is here to do a service to Jackie and her family. Yes, he is serving those black people and he needed to treat them with a different level of respect. But I've already talked about that before. And I really love that he just, even like with that comment, he was saying the wedding planner was wrong. Even though Jackie's family did did overstep and did disregard Jackie's plans, they should have been treated with respect. And you need to find someone who will who will protect your family when you forget to. You need to find someone who will defend your family when you forget to. And Jackie dropped the ball in that one. But I'm really glad that Tyler was there to defend their act. Well, defend them and not necessarily defend their actions, but really say like. You love your family. Your family's a priority to you. And he, you can really tell that he's fully embraced them. Him calling Julian um, his brother, that was really cute. And I really appreciated how he always took the time to be at Jackie's side and really show that I am committed to you and I'm committed to being part of your family. So I thought that that was very sweet. And that really won me over, even though the book and his penmanship was really great. I was feeling a little insecure about my cursive because I was like, this is nice. Of him taking the time to notice all of Jackie's um, quirks and flaws and just saying, I love them all. That was really sweet. That moment where he was coughing, her and her blinking was so cute. I, um, I appreciated that. His humor his low-key, funny, like dry humor was missing from the first movie. So I really appreciate that we got to kind of see Tyler's funnier side in this one. I, I'll allow that joke about him saying that a, a gift from Kiki is probably ticking. I'll I'll allow it. I didn't, you know, I was a little like, hmm, don't don't come after my girl. But he did, he did protect Kiki from Jackie when she did when she ruined the wedding dress. He's like, girl, you gotta go. Like, I'll take care of this. You've done enough. So that was funny. But my favorite part 
I think I didn't notice what uh, Tyler's funny, funny side until the end of the movie. It's not until like looking back, I've seen it all now. But um, when he was kind of reacting to the littles, like overreacting to that chandelier, and he's like, guys, it's a chandelier. Like, maybe you have to see it to believe it. But that was like, okay, I see that ad lib. Like, that was funny to me. And what other part? I like that now, besides having family and kids, he has a friend, Chris. So let's move on to Chris. I only like Chris because he likes Kiki. And I, I'm a little, I think Kiki deserves her own movie. I'm not sure Chris needs to be there. I do appreciate Chris liking Kiki because we love a man that appreciates a woman with a personality. I think Kiki never leaves her personality at home. It's always with her. And that's very different from Jackie, who really only brings out a bit more, well, a bit of her fun side when she's with her sisters. I think Jackie just has a, just a, Jackie's just a different personality type than Kiki is. Like that's, I just have to accept that. Like the littles need to accept that. But, and I get why Jackie is the way she is. She is the eldest sister. So she, she's the one, she's not just the oldest. She is the oldest and a woman. And she's a dark skinned black woman. So she has had the weight of the ancestors on her shoulders for years. So you can get like, of course, she's uptight. Of course, she doesn't know how to relax. Of course, she needs people around her to remind her to de-stress and um, know that everything's going to work out in some way and to be flexible. And like, of course, of course. It doesn't mean, I, even though I understand her, it doesn't mean that I have to hang out with her. So I, I support Jackie. As I said before, I want her to have her own way. It doesn't mean I have to be necessarily like be, be there to see it. So I prefer watching Kiki. I thought that stroll in the woods to get acorns was kind of ridiculous. I'm pretty sure there's a Michaels nearby, but I did, I did think that physical comedy of um, Kiki on Chris's shoulders to get the acorn and them falling to the floor. I thought that was a lot more believable than our Frisbee moment from the first movie. So I did appreciate the superior acting there. So even though Chris and Kiki were cute, there's a huge red flag. And I think that we need to revisit this like, um, this like, like the honest, the honest jerk, the honest, um, the honest asshole, like, He's an asshole with a heart of gold, like that kind of personality. That is not cute. That's like the grown, like bad boy from Wattpad. None of these people are cute. None of these people are appropriate romantic partners. So him saying, I like you, but I ghost people and I'm 35, that's not acceptable. And then there's this whole thing of like, you ghosted me. Well, I probably deserved that. She's like, yeah, you did. And we're supposed to be laughing like, no, both of y'all were wrong. Instead of just admitting your feelings like, hey, I like you, but I'm not ready for a relationship. Like, can we make this casual? Or, hey, I'm not ready to pursue anything. Like, let's call it time of death. Like, you guys could have done that instead of, and you guys could have done it over text or over a phone call if it was too difficult to do it in person, like, but ghosting each other. I thought that was very immature for both of you. And so Chris saying that, like, he's a commitment foe was a huge red flag for me, especially, like, you know Kiki has a child, right? So it's not just her. And woman's value does not come from having children. So even if Kiki did not have this child, it would still be 
unacceptable. <laughs> so I don't think someone who was just afraid to fall in love like two seconds ago is the person to be pursuing a relationship with or start talking to with the hopes it can be something more. Like if you were a commitment foe, you know, two years ago, but now you're ready for love, that'd be different. But Chris is Chris has still, you know, been pretty gun shy this whole time. And somehow we're supposed to believe that Kiki's suddenly different. He's supposed to be like a different person when it kind of seems like he's only interested for now because she's a challenge for now. And so I just wonder how he's going to react when she's completely ready. Is he going to, you know, ghost her this time? Is he going to run away this time? And speaking of people who ran away, I was not happy about Tyler just like leaving for several hours and not texting Jackie back because he was mad at, he was mad at, you know, her getting cold feet about the wedding. Text, you know, say like, I need time to think or something or like, yeah, just I need time to think, I need space. Like just let her know at least like you're okay. Even if like Tyler, you know yourself, you know you're gonna come back. So act like it, act like you want to come back, but you need, you know, time to yourself. Use your words and do that. Like getting somebody like Jackie worried about that. If you love someone, make sure you show that you know them, show that you understand them. Someone like Jackie was probably freaking out a lot more than she said. You know, she's a person that likes to know where everybody is and where everyone is going. Like everything in her wedding has already been messed up except you. And now you leave. Like her saying I'm worried was an understatement. I'm surprised she did not make a bigger issue than that. Maybe because like she she was just glad she showed up and like she needed somebody (laughs) to confirm her worries about Coco's makeup or something, but that just felt like really unnecessary to me. It felt a little, I guess gaslighting isn't the right word, but it just felt like a lack of understanding and a lack of consideration. I think Jackie's response was natural, like she was just venting, getting it off her chest, and Tyler overreacted anyway. And then with the addition of like not contacting her and just running away, I've just like left a bad taste in my mouth. I did not appreciate that. Then I do back to Kiki. She does deserve her own movie. I think she's like the rom-com lead we need. I love that she's got comeback. She's not, she is kind. She is not nice. She is not trying to be like that whimsical Hallmark girl that's just like, that's like kind of one drop of sweetness away to like singing to animals in the forest. Like one, one drop away one, you know, um, one grain of sugar and spice and everything nice from like being Giselle from Enchanted. I love that she's got comebacks. When she said in the woods to Chris, like, if you were funny, I would laugh more. We let, I mean, sorry, Chris, you're a doctor and you're pretty. That's it. But like Kiki needs more than that because, you know, you, you have the honor of being interesting to her for now, but I'm going to need you to come with the jokes. I'm going to need you to not leave your personality at home. You can't just be laughing at me. Have you ever talked to someone and you're just being yourself and you hear and all they have to say is you're funny? When somebody says you're funny, it's because they're not. When you like, they're basically like, you have a personality. Wow. And it's like, yeah, I know. Where's yours? It's just not. I never. I don't think I've ever really been close friends with someone who just says you're funny mid-conversation. 
or it's kind of it kind of seems like a left-hand compliment it's not like you're funny it's you're weird that's what I'm just realizing that now like that's actually like them announcing to you that you are like too too much for them too interesting for them and they and they're their friend group is more of like the bland variety. And if you usually hang out with those people's friends, you realize like, oh, like all we can do is really talk about the weather. And like even a joke about the weather might be, that might be too much. But let's move on. I like that she's realistic. When, when the kids are on the roof, they had locked themselves on the roof. And then Kiki and Chris come to join them to actually find them because again, no one was supervising those kids. And then they accidentally close that door and lock themselves and the kids on the roof. And it's not until the hotel manager gets up there that they're able to leave in peace. And then the hotel manager, he, you know, he plays his ukulele and the kids are like, you play a ukulele. And he's like, yeah, I want me to and then Chris is like, let's hear something. In any other movie, we would have heard this hotel manager play the ukulele. But Kiki, our goddess, who, you know, has, has been up here for 15 minutes too long, says, no, we got to go. That was like the first of like black parent realism that I had seen all movie. And it was just so timely and funny. It was just like, Kiki does not have time for this. Like we need, you know, the kids got to eat. I got to like report back to Trina that, you know, her child is fine. I got to return Coco and Josh to, to um, Jackie and Tyler. Like this needs, this, this situation needs to be wrapped and, you know, tie with a bow and done. This is done. Time in the roof is over. And so I thought that was really funny. And I love that she's not totally into Chris yet. Maybe she's hearing what we're hearing that, you know, he tends to flake on people that at his big age, he does not know how to be in a relationship. And so I like that she's not totally into Chris, that she's still taking her time. Even though they did share that kiss, I don't think she, they're completely in talk every day territory. Like um, love is not on the table yet. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that she's going to take her time to get to know him. I say it's a no from me, but, you know, Kiki ghosted him too, so maybe they'll be a mess together. And I, again, I do appreciate that she was Chris's karma, because if you ghost people, you deserve to get ghosted. Another couple I enjoy were Julian and Trina. I love that Julian still can't draw or describe things. He's still bad at these family games. And I love that how much he loves Trina and the littles, like, he just counts as a, one of the littles at this point with his um, level of messiness. He's I really appreciated in the first movie how he was um, Kiki's partner in crime. I wish that had continued to the next movie because I really appreciated them as a brother-sister pair. And I really think that Trina needs to set aside time for him. It seemed that Julian was initiating more of the romantic stuff and then Trina would just quickly end it anytime her family members, especially Jackie, needed something. And she's going to have to give more in an effort because Julian is giving me like five star guy territory. He loves the family. He loves you. He wanted to join the family business. He is just completely supportive. I just I just think he's great. And so I think Trina needs to really, you know, keep the fire going and continuing to lock down this relationship. And I agree with Jackie that 
You know, if you wanted like a romantic road trip, like you should have made that happen. Kind of not in the middle of my wedding. But I do think that Jackie needs to do a better job of just kind of reading the room and seeing what's going on with everyone else. I think that she notices Kiki so much because she makes herself known. But Trina is not really the type of person to share her problems like that. And she's so available to join to like she's so available to give to everybody else. Do you actually have to make time and be like, hey, Trina, what's going on? Or, hey, Trina, I see what's going on. You need to get it together. And I think that I do get that, you know, it's Jackie's wedding. but She's kind of giving me. She's kind of giving Trina like the Cinderella, Cinderella treatment. I feel like it's a relationship where Jackie takes more than she gives. And Trina's married and has a kid. And so she's always had a little bit more. um, Maybe I shouldn't say this. She has a different set of struggles than Jackie does. And I feel like that's not really respected. When Jackie busts into Trina's hotel room looking for content, looking to be coddled, and notices that Trina and Julian are on the floor with some chocolate-covered strawberries and peppermint bark, she should have moved on. She should have moved on and realized that Trina has a timetable of her own. Trina has things going on on her own. And if she's not here to really do matron of honor duties and be involved in the wedding planning at all, maybe you shouldn't complain to her about a wedding that you don't want her to be involved in. Like, what about that, Jackie? Or why don't you go complain to Tyler, the man you're marrying? Or why don't you have a friend? I mean, we've already talked about why Jackie probably doesn't have friends, but maybe she should have made one within the year that Tyler and her were dating, like a couple's friend or something. Someone whose ideals line up a little bit more with her, with, you know, her own, and then gone to her to complain. Maybe do that instead of expecting Trina to always be there for you. Like Jackie does eventually tell Trina that, you know, and I might be repeating myself. Sorry, I had to record this section over again because I ended up losing it. We thank God. But um, yeah, like Jackie tells Trina, like, girl, you need to focus on your relationship. But she also is part of the reason why Jackie can't, like Trina, sorry, can't focus on her relationship. She says like, hey, you don't always need to be here for the family. Jackie, do you realize that family includes you? You realize that you're related to her, right? So you do realize that you are part of the problem and you are enabling Trina's behavior. So if you don't want Trina to focus on you all the time, don't ask her to focus on you all the time. Move on. And the most problematic interruption of Julian and Trina, and this is supposed to be played for last, but I thought this was very disturbing and weird, was when Mr. Little decided to um, be an enemy of progress. This is the lie of misogyny. So misogyny says that instead of holding men accountable and um, destroying rape culture, and encouraging men to respect women and not objectify them or take advantage of them or run through them till they find, you know, the girl of their dreams or whatever prized possession they're supposed to find, they decide to police women's bodies. So instead of asking men, why do you do that? And hey, stop doing that. You're just going to tell women what to do and when to do it. And that's why there's all those jokes about my daughter won't date until she's 35. Instead of, um, 
pressing pause on your daughter's dating life or trying to manage your daughter's dating life or having some fixation on her body and her sexuality so she does not distract men or she doesn't tap to men how about you get these men in line how about you get these men together like whether your daughter's straight or not let's make sure that when she goes out into the world when your daughter when your wife when your sister when women in your life go women and femmes go out into the world they are safe and they are respected and their sexuality does not put them in danger and their body does not put them in danger the fact that you're a woman does not put them in danger let's make sure that the people with privilege destroy their privilege undo their privilege examine do all the things make it go away make male privilege go away make the patriarchy go away so we can all be human beings that can go through this world with and be treated with respect like let's just do that but no telling women what to do is easier for you men telling it's more it's easier for men it's more comfortable for men so they decide to do that instead instead of talking to each other so the great lie of misogyny is when you are married when your body is now your husband's possession your father can be at peace because your body is no longer his concern so why is mr little in trina's hotel room what is that about why like is it just some weird like when my daughter's within proximity to me she will not get to live her best life like what is wrong with you or is it like like i would even say like i get that when it's like in your house but like she's married and grown like what that's weird like can we leave people alone can we leave like people in relationships alone like that's just weird so you're really telling your married grown daughter with kids like she has had sex before like you're monitoring her body and you're telling her when like when and where she can have sex like what is wrong what's not clicking what's going on or is it some like if i'm not getting none nobody gets any like worry about yourself you can tell your kids to look after their own kids who aren't being supervised anyway so that's not a problem and you can plan a date for your wife and take her out and get your life like you can make that happen so i don't understand why this scene happened this is another unnecessary scene this is a very disturbing scene to me and i did not like it at all but other than that i did enjoy mr little and i enjoyed um mr and mrs little as a couple i thought their chemistry was very natural and cute we do have to admit that mr little ends up buying mrs little those tickets to france because he didn't want to look cheap in front of tyler's parents like that is part of it while he does love mrs little and does want to go on adventures with her and does want to brag about learning french or learning knowing very little french that was cute though when he said i love you in french that was sweet he also wanted to kind of show off he want or at least keep up with the joneses or whatever tyler's last name is that's funny that do we know what tyler's last name is he really is getting the totally spies male treatment and i kind of love it at this point i wish they would just like i wish they would just have played into the fact that tyler's basically a stranger and just kind of like make like make little comments about how the littles barely know him i thought i think like that would have been kind of funny but they decided to listen to us and give tyler a family or whatever which was cute we do love to see that but um so i wish that there had been a little bit more of a revisiting of uh, mr and mrs little's relationship i thought that was very cute and 
maybe just a little bit more prodding and motivation for Mr. Little to get those plane tickets. But I'm glad that Mrs. Little, Mr. and Mrs. Little will have their adventure. And I look forward to, to them taking um, Christmas trees to France. <laughs> I mean, if they can like, so I didn't really, like, I did not understand Mr. Little's like, I can't have my things. Like you're obviously taking your things like to Jackie's house, now to this hotel. Like if you can lug a Christmas tree and bully the hotel manager into putting it into that, into your room, like, imagine what you're going to be able to do in customs. I would, I would love to see Mr. and Mrs. Little get their own movie about international travels. I think that would be so cute. The Littles in France, I'm calling it, it's movie number nine. Number nine. I'm thinking of TR's number nine and I'm getting really excited. Number nine. I love TR. Okay, we're moving on. So I think, let me see, there are some continuity things that I really enjoy. I love the moments of black culture. I feel like the the first movie kind of faltered a bit with that, the ancestors um, and passing down traditions speech that Mrs. Little was trying to give, especially with this, it was the soundtrack that really threw that off. I think they did a much better job in the second movie continuing you know having the christmas angel on top of the tree and keeping it in the family that was really sweet and um i love the when they jumped the broom at the wedding and just hearing about black love and wanting to see generations of black love was just it was just absolutely beautiful to hear about and watch as well and i wish they had made jackie even more type a and weird her type a-ness may have been a little bit off-putting, but it wasn't that strange. Like when people make their bed, they want to keep, you know, the mattress smooth or whatever. I didn't think that was that weird. Or her arranging her closet by color and type, I think that's very common. I don't think they stretch the type A thing enough to make Jackie kind of like, I wish Jackie was just as wacky as the little, so it kind of in her own way. And they hint towards that, but they don't really go all in. And I think they, that would have made me like Jackie a lot more. Even though I know like women can be unlikable, that's fine. It's not like I think like I like Jackie, I relate a lot to Jackie, so that's probably why like I have the most critique of her. But I wish that there was just just something that would just kind of like fully define her more as a character. Like if these are her characteristics, let's really plug into them. That's what I think. But overall, the first movie is a fun mess, and I think the second movie is almost perfect. We could just get rid of that E-Piano 1 sound effect thing and the unnecessary scenes and some some of these bad writing choices. I think this third movie has a lot of potential. I'm excited for next year's round of Christmas movies to see the littles again. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it was just nice seeing young you know, 30 to 40, so relatively young, successful black men actually want to be with black women and actively pursuing them. It really seems like some of these black men that are interested in dating black women really think that they are prizes and really think that they should get like the Nobel Peace Prize for wanting to date black women. And it's like, it feels a little anti-black to me. Like I did not know 
maybe I'm a black woman, so I just don't know how terrible I am. But I didn't think it was such a sacrifice to date us. I didn't think it was such like a burden to be with one of us. So like the fact that you think that like you being with a black woman gets you some sort of prize or some kind of medal is really ridiculous to me. And um, you do not. You are actually leveling up. You are actually having a privilege and an honor by being with one of us. So it's just the laziness for me, the mediocrity for me. It's, it's the delusion for me that I don't really understand. So it, there just doesn't seem, from what I've heard, there doesn't seem to be a lot of effort. There doesn't seem to be that great of conversations happening. There's, um, the vision is kind of lacking sometimes. So I'm... I really hope like some of that is out there because I'm not hearing the best Yelp reviews of some of you. So it'd be nice to, you know, hear creativity and consideration like the book. Like that was really creative, Tyler. I love that as like a wedding gift or pre-wedding gift. And knowing Tyler, I bet he has a cute wedding gift or wedding surprise plan. I'm sure of it. Like I, I believe in our guy. I, I really like Tyler now. I really do. I'm really enjoying him as a character. So it'd be nice to see, you know, some, to hear some black men really stepping up as well. You know, that want to date black women aren't gallerists and don't want to use black women to gain white privilege and don't feel that it is their divine right to oppress everyone else in the community. That would be nice. And I love seeing, you know, generations of black love in generations of black people and black love in the cast as well. So I think, I think this movie really got me and I was so emotional in the first part of this podcast because it really felt like a bomb, really felt like a salve for my soul. And you know what bombs do? They burn before they soothe. When I had first experienced this movie, well, I actually ended up watching it twice because I, I missed the first half. So I watched that. And then like around 10 or so, like it came back on again. So I was like, I'm going to watch this movie in its entirety. Loved it again. And it just felt so, as I said before, it felt really sweet, but really empowering. It felt, it made me hopeful in a way that other Christmas movies just haven't. And it kind of exposed like a bit of tenderness in my heart and a little bit of um, concerns that I've had just being, you know, a young black woman in this world and thinking about relationships and stuff like that. And it's looking, it's not looking pretty good out there. So (laughs) this was a nice, and they say, you know, black people can't do fantasy. And it's like, look at this, look at this magical world that Kelly and the team were able to create. So I really enjoyed it. And I recommend that if you don't watch the first one, you're not missing much. Just check out the second one and I hope that you enjoy it and let me know what you think. And that is all I have for today. If you'd like to follow me, check out my Instagram and Twitter at Black Girl Talks Pop. That's Black, B-L-K, Girl Talks Pop. And I have Spotify playlist I that I regularly update when I buy music. So I have my R&B bays where I shout out Black women in R&B, um, Black women and queer people and less represented people in the R&B space. Um, I have a K-pop podcast from Second Gen and Beyond, and I have a CCM, that's Christian, Contemporary Christian Music, so pop music, and gospel um, in a playlist as well. I think it's called Left Behind. 
So I hope you check those out and enjoy those artists. And uh, my podcast is on Spotify, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. If you're on Apple Music, please leave a nice five-star review so other people can find it. And if you're on YouTube, I hope you like the video and subscribe for notifications of future content and leave a comment letting me know what you think. So that's all I have for today. Hope you know that you are wonderfully and beautifully made and I'll come back when I have something to say. Bye. Oh, and all my, anything that I reference is in the description down below, as well as my social media links are in the link tree. So if you check that out. Okay, now I gotta say bye.